Good morning, Storyside. I'm really thankful to be in God's presence today. That time of worship, awesome today. I don't always have the opportunity to join the online worship side of it, but I have today both services. I uh, had the worship online, and I just want to give a shout out. Uh, usually I'm down here worshiping, but I wanted to be part of the online worship today. And our team has been working like crazy the last month or two to improve our sound online. And we have some lighting and other things on the way. But uh, watching the last two services today and just the new computers and programming and all of the things that the team's been working on, uh, see such improvements. And I know it's going to keep getting better, but I am so grateful. We don't always see that team. Uh, they are in the shadows uh, in back rooms, they are surrounded by screens and cameras and people saying, let's do this, try this, bring this down, take that up. Uh, but I know God sees it ultimately, and I believe that, that I'm aware of a lot of it. And I just want to thank every one of you uh, that makes the online experience what it is. Storyside, would you just appreciate everyone that works with our creatives? Let them know how much you appreciate them. I also want to give a shout out to everyone joining us online. We have had a great turnout today online. Uh, a few of those, Shai Cooper, Alex, and Rochelle Amstutz in Florida. I love you guys. Uh, I miss you, but I'm happy that you're happy. Veronica, Philip Evans, Rusty Gilbert. I love you, Rusty. It's great to hear that you are making progress in your health. Uh, Bethany Sheets, Jeff Holland, Christina Littleton, Wyatt Banks, the list goes on. Storyside, I know we just applauded for the creative team, but you, would you welcome our online family? Let them know it's great to have them today. I want to pray today. We are continuing our Everyone series, and today I want to talk to you about relationships and specifically friendships. Friendships, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Uh, but let's pray and open our service. Ask that God would help us to block out distractions, to lean in, to hear everything that he has for us today that God would bless uh, everyone online as well as those that are on site today. So let's pray. God, I thank you for today. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Sometimes we get caught up in what's your five-year plan, what's your 10-year plan. We can get so focused on the future that we miss the moment right now. Help us not to miss today. Help us not to miss today. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. So I ask that you would speak the story side on site and online. Bless every church in our area. I pray for our nation. There's a lot of division, a lot of darkness, a lot of things going on in our nation. I pray that the light of God would shine brighter than ever, be, ever before. I pray for our nation. I pray for our world. For God so loved the world. Everyone, everyone, uh, and I just pray today that your word would go forth in power. I pray the Holy Spirit would help me to have a clear mind, clear heart, to speak what you want me to say. And I promise I will give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone say friendship. Maybe as we are singing uh, songs pre and post service and the music's playing, have you heard some of those songs today, all of them referencing friendship? Some of those songs you would have been able to connect with and you're, you're maybe even tapping your foot or, or singing along, thank you for being a friend. 
or lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your I'll be your friend. Dr. Brad shared with me between services today about his son that passed years ago and he shared with me, he got a little bit emotional, but he was sharing with me how his son's favorite song was about friends and the song was friends are friends forever if the Lord's the Lord of them. Maybe, maybe you could relate to the song, you've got a friend in me. Or maybe others that you like country music or maybe specifically Garth Brooks, you could think of the song that I've got friends, which I don't know if it's always wise, but uh, some of you even was like low places. I heard it, like low places. Like, Father, we just stretch our hands towards these people today. Speaking of friends, I've heard it said that diamonds, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Sometimes even in worship, maybe some of you are like, I love God and I also love this diamond, like with the light. Like. <laughs> they say diamonds are a girl's best friend. They also say that dogs are a man's best friend. And you can decide who's smarter. Huh. That's not funny. Speaking of friends, I heard the joke about three friends that were in a car crash and, and they die and they go to heaven for an orientation session. They're all asked the same question at orientation and the question was, when you are in your casket and your family and friends are mourning over you and passing by, what, what would you like them to say about you? The first guy said, well, I would like them, I would like to hear them say that I was one of the greatest doctors of my time and I was a great family man. The second guy said, I would love to hear them say that I was a wonderful husband and, and a great school teacher who made a huge difference in the children of tomorrow. The third guy's thinking for a little bit. He replies, I'd like to hear them say, Look, he's moving. <laughs> Speaking of friendship, I heard the joke about the guy that heard his friend couldn't afford to pay his water bill. And so he sent him a card. Get well soon. <laughs> That's not funny. Some of you are like, what does that mean? <laughs> Go ahead, ask. I don't get it. <laughs> like, huh? Everyone say friendship. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says two are better than one. Two are better than one. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him, to help them up. This message has been in my heart, my spirit now uh, for a while, specifically since about Tuesday. I've been ready to share it. Wednesday, Thursday, I was like, let's go Sunday. I really believe this message could have a major impact on you today. 
whether you're young, whether you're up in years, I believe this message could have a strong impact on your life. And so I pray today, you know, it's, it's important not just that I share God's word, it's important that you mix it with faith. That's what the Bible says. Matter of fact, the Bible would go so far as to say the word profited them nothing because it wasn't mixed with faith. And so sometimes our minds, you know, get sidetracked and even online you'd be thinking of other things and I've got to do this and I've got to go there. And, I've, and so it's really important in the next 30 minutes I share what I believe God wants you to hear, but then you also try to block out anything or everyone that could stop that and you say, God, speak to me today. Speak to me today. When we talk about friendship, by definition, a friend is a companion. It's a person who has close proximity to you. It's a person who has close proximity. I've often said over the years that life moves at the speed of relationships. Life moves at the speed of relationships. In other words, a lot of things that happen in your life happens through a relationship. We will call them references, we'll call them referrals, we'll say someone knows someone that knows someone, but life moves at the speed of relationships. Some would go so far as to teach and to tell us that if God wants to do something great in your life, He'll send someone, a relationship into your life. So if you open the Holy Book, the Holy Bible, the Holy Word of God, you will find that a lot of times lives were changed because God sent someone, someone, a relationship to that person. And so as you turn page after page in the Bible, you will find, even in the book of Acts, you will find that whether it was through a dream or a vision, God would send someone, an entire area or region could be changed because of a conversation, because of a relationship. Elisha. Elijah. You're you're going to see with Jesus and many followers, but people like Simon, where Andrew brings Simon and through a connection, Jesus says, you are Simon, you will be Peter. Relationships, life can move at the speed of relationships. So if God wants to do something great in your life, he'll often send a relationship. But the same can be true for the enemy. If the enemy wants to do something damaging or detrimental in your life, he will often send a wrong relationship. A wrong relationship. Some of you, maybe you would track what I'm talking about through this lens, parenting. If you are a parent or a grandparent from a young age, you understand the importance of Friends, who's going to be there? Who are you hanging out with? Who's in the car? People will say, can I drive somewhere? Can I go somewhere? We get a group or go into this restaurant. Who's in the car? Who's driving? Why? Why do, why do I have four kids. Why do we ask those questions? Because we understand that it's not just about your son, your daughter. It's about the people that will be in the room, in the vehicle, they, they could say, I want to go to a birthday party. I want to go to a sleepover. I want to go. And often a question that could be asked, who, who else is going to be there? Who else is going to be there? Some people would tell you that if you die, they wrote books about it. If you die with five true friends, you've died a success. Five. You say, Pastor Micah, that seems so far-fetched. I have 3,000 friends. I have 5,000 friends on social media. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Today we're talking about the proximity. We're talking about people who actually have influence in your life. I understand in social media it could look like we have a far reach of relationships. But really, there are key chairs, there are key seats that will impact and influence your life. When we look at seats around our table, maybe you've heard this statement before, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Show me who sits in these seats. Show me who you're with on Friday night. Show, show me who's giving you advice. Show me the voices you value. Show me your friends, and I will show you your future. A fair question for every one of us to ask ourselves today is this question. How stable is your table? How stable is your table? Now, here's what's really important for me in the next 20 minutes is that you would see this table symbolically through a variety of different places, different people in your life. I would like you to see this table as a life group, a life group. People that you spend life with, you say on Tuesday nights or on Friday nights, we get together, we have coffee, we have pie, I shared earlier, like I love pie. People often ask me, Pastor Micah, what's your favorite pie? People ask that over the years, what's your favorite pie? It's almost easier to ask me, what pie don't you like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my mind is like zoned out for a bit. Like, I love pie. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate pie, butterscotch pie, coconut cream pie, lemon pie, pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie. I've got into that lately. I never even had that my whole life. I tried it like a year or two ago. I'm like, wow, it's not bad. Uh, Anyway, that has nothing to do with my message, but my point is, my point, I got to focus here. Uh, you can go to a life group thinking we're going to drink coffee, we're going to eat pie, and then five minutes into a life group, I'm just talking to you about how I need you to view the table today. You could be talking about things that have nothing to do with the Bible, right? You'd be having conversations who said what, who done what, who went where, can you believe this, and... I need you to view this as a locker room. Now, I know we don't have this table in the locker room. I just need you to see it as a locker room. I need you to see it as a lunchroom, a lunchroom on your job, in your workplace. I need you to see this table as something that could be at a family reunion. I need you to see this table as a text, as a phone call. I need you just to see this table as the places where interaction or conversation takes place. How stable is this table in your life? If this table is put in your house, your home, if this stable table is put in your company, your business, your school, how stable is your table? This table will ultimately have incredible impact on your destiny, your direction, your decisions. Because when you look at this table, you then have to answer the question, who is seated who is seated at your table? Who is seated at your table? Who has access to you? Who has an invitation to influence you? 
What are the chair conversations? What are the chair conversations that take place at your table? Because those chair conversations will will ultimately affect your choices. Who sits in the seats that are shaping you? Who sits in the seats that are shaping your life? Because at the table, there can be what I would call unstable seats. Unstable seats. That, that if I was to say today, I want you to come and I want you to sit on this seat. Maybe you would look at this seat that is missing a, a few things. A little busted, broken, rickety. Down here, a cross brace is not even connected. This one, this one here is cracked and broken. Maybe, maybe you would say, Pastor Micah, I don't know with my body type, and I'm not going to get too deep into all that, but, but I don't know if I feel comfortable sitting in this seat, so it would be an unstable seat. But you'd be shocked, you'd be shocked at how many people have unstable seats at their table. These, these unstable seats are very unsafe. They're unhealthy, they're risky, they're potentially harmful. These seats are scary because if we go back to that life group, small group, family reunion, lunchroom, locker room mindset, there's a lot of damage that has been done because of unstable seats. When we talk about unstable seats, I want to give you a few examples of what I mean by that. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Do not be misled. In other words, you and I could be misled. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I know it's important for us to be salt and light. I'm not talking about that. I know we need to reach unchurched, dechurched. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being friends with someone who needs Jesus. I'm talking about the people that give you the loudest advice. I'm talking about the environment that affects, affects you every day of your life. Who are those people? The Bible says here, bad company corrupts good character. This is what I would call the character chair. The character chair. That when you think about this chair, I think this chair is contagious. I think this chair is contagious. In, in other words, if someone has, if someone has what this writer is referencing, that this bad, that this bad really doesn't make you better. It has the potential to make you worse. This chair, you know, over the years I've given the analogy or the example of if you have if you have a barrel, you have a barrel of bad apples, worms, rotten bruises, 
just a bad barrel of apples, and you take a good apple. You may say, Micah, I like Granny Smith apples, or I, I, I like the Red Delicious apples, or, you know, I like, and you take a good apple, and you put the good apple in the barrel of bad apples, the cliche, the statement is that one bad apple spoils the bunch of the barrel. Now, here's the thing about the character chair is that the same principle isn't true if you have a barrel of good apples. You have a barrel of good apples and you take this rotten, bruised, wormy, brown apple and you put it in the barrel of good apples and it becomes good. Is that what happens? You see, you would like to think that that principle is true, that Pastor Mike, I'm good, I've got it. I don't, I don't need this speech today. But I just want to remind you at the onset that the character chair matters because bad company, bad company, it's no big deal. It's just Friday night, it's just Saturday night. Some of my buddies, it's not the end of the world. We're just watching the game. The writer said, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. You know the conversations, when I talk about chair conversations, some of the chair conversations that can happen in what I would call bad company could sound like this. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. I had someone just today telling me, Pastor Micah, I work with a guy who's married He's telling me, I do this, I go there, I say that. It's when we're on the road. It's, you know, sometimes even commercials will say things like, well, whatever happens here stays here. And you know, just today, those conversations are being told to me. Because the character chair is going to tell you th things like, everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it. If you're in athletics, if you're in sports, everyone's doing it. They may tell you things like this, nobody's perfect. Or as long as no one finds out. You know, one in 2021 that's a big thing right now is, you know, people, people will say this. You need to find your own truth. Your own truth. In other words, billions of people on the planet all have their own individual truth. Well, the reality is there's one truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. Everyone doesn't get to decide their own truth. But this chair will tell you that. Maybe this chair will tell you things like this. You do you. Who cares what parents say? Who cares what the Bible says? Who cares? Like, you do you. Well, the reality is in life that you and I don't always get to do you. There's such things as dying daily or decreasing or letting our flesh be submitted. Not always doing what you want to do. But this chair, the character chair, it can affect a lot of us. The next chair that I want to reference, Proverbs 16, 28, says a perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close. We're talking about relationships or friends. A gossip separates close friends. A perverse person stirs up, stirs up, stirs, stirs up. This chair is just what I would call the conflict chair. 
the conflict chair. In, in other words, the conflict chair is always going to be trying to create drama. Hello. Like that chair, if this chair's at your family reunion, you know we're not just eating ham and turkey and potatoes and corn and peas and gravy and sweet potatoes and pie. <laughs> right? Uh, plus, I love red velvet cake. I love red velvet cake and muffins. Uh, not that you care, I'm just telling you what I look for when I go. <laughs> my wife and my mother-in-law are great cook, And my mom's a great cook. My mom makes incredible pie crust. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's almost lunch. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. This chair, this chair, you can't just have a good time. Like, let's eat and watch football. Let, let's eat and like sit out in the yard and talk like, wow, isn't it awesome to see the flowers blooming and what a beautiful sunset. This chair, whether it shows up in that locker room, lunchroom, or the family reunion or anywhere, this chair is always going to have to stir something up. They're always going to be saying, can you believe that person that sang? Can you believe that usher and greeter? Can you believe that person five years ago? Can you believe this politically? Can you believe... You're not even two bites into the pie in this chair. It's a conflict chair. It's a separating chair. This seed is going to show up. It's going to show up. And it's going to sidetrack. Beside this chair, beside the conflict chair, because I think these two sit side by side. Maybe you've, ever, maybe you've been in a restaurant before and you have a group of 8 or 10 or 12. You don't want to tell anyone, but, but you're like, you know, can I have a table for 12? And you guys are all going in. And then immediately, you don't say anything, but you start like watching where people's going to sit. Like, um, no, uh, no uh, you don't want to tell anyone, but you're trying to figure out like, where am I going to sit? Where's Angel going? Don't stick me like you're across or you're somewhere there, right? And who's these people? And These chairs do the same thing symbolically and spiritually, these two chairs, because you have the chair, the seat that's going to stir, you have this conflict chair, and I think a lot of times the conflict chair sits by what I'm going to call the scornful seat, the scornful seat, the eye rolling, you can tell a lot about people by their size and eyes, did you know that? Even if they don't say anything, just their size and eyes, you're like, whoa, the scornful seat Psalm 1 1 says, Blessed is a man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the way of sinners, nor sit, 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 nor sit in the seat of the scornful. These people are going to mock and make fun. Mock and make fun. They're going to shame, they're going to belittle, they're going to critique. Now, this chair is a big chair for me as a pastor because this, this scornful chair, this shaming seat, this scornful seat for me is a big deal because over the years you would not believe the amount of people that have told me, Pastor Micah, I'm so excited, I want to follow Jesus. Pastor Micah, I want to get baptized. And they're, so, they're thinking that once I give my life to Jesus, that billions of people on the planet are going to go crazy. So you give your life to Jesus, the angels rejoice, someone is up here at the end of the service, you know, if you're in the room or you're online, we want to celebrate the greatest decision you've ever made today, accepting, and so you leave thinking, everyone at school, everyone on my job, everyone in my family, 
everyone on social media, they're going to be as excited as heaven was. And then they find out that, that this seed exists and people start making fun. Oh, really? That's what you are? You're a Jesus freak? Oh, you're going to give your, your hard-earned money to those people? You know they're hypocrites and money grabbers, right? Really, that's what you're going to do? You're going to give your time? You know the church takes advantage of people's time. Oh, you're, you're, you're emotional? Is that what you are? You're weak-minded? You're weak spirit? You cry? Is that what you do? You cry? When they're singing a song, you cry? Oh, you're going to raise your hand when you give your life to Jesus? The scornful seed. And I have had conversation after conversation with people over the years who were so hurt and so taken back by this chair because they thought, you know what, I, I can't imagine there would be anything better in my life than to give my time, my talent, and my treasure to an almighty creator. But can I just tell you today that not everyone else is going to be as excited as heaven is that you're following Jesus. It's a scornful seat. Not only do you have scornful seats, but James 3.16 says, for where jealousy and selfish Selfish ambition exists. There will be disorder. You want disorder at your table? We're talking about unstable tables. Disorder and every, not some or most, every vile practice. This seed is what I would call the selfish seed. The selfish seed. It's dangerous to let selfishness sit at your table. The presence of these people can open the door to disorder. They're takers. These people are takers. There may be four or five seats at the table, but every single conversation is going to be about them. These conversations from the selfish seat may sound like this. Can you believe they said that to me? Or it's just not fair what they're doing to me. Or I don't understand why that they're doing that to my... It's, it's something where I thought I deserved it. It's just not right how they're treating me. It's a selfish seat. It's a comparison chair. Where you will find, you know, some people go through life and that, you know, they're not even really aware of these associations. So you can start thinking this is just normal. Every time I'm with them, they're just like bearing their soul. And people will tell me this over the years. You know, Pastor Mike, I just... You know, it must just be I have a good listening ear. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't have a good listening ear. I'm just saying sometimes we're not always aware that there are people that will get a seat at our table and because we, we just like go along with the flow, we don't even realize there are selfish seats that try to get close to you. The final unstable seat I want you to notice today is what I would call a similar seat. Proverbs 12, 26 says the godly, the godly give good advice to their friends, right? So that means you could have bad advice, right? The godly give good advice, but the wicked do what? The wicked lead them astray. Everyone say similar seats, similar seats. Now here, here's what I mean by similar seats. Similar seats Could, you know, I think you could view it maybe through this lens. Maybe you've even said this before or heard it before. Birds of a feather 
Birds of a feather flock together. In other words, every seat at your table, if you're not careful, can look like this. What I would call a similar seat. Now again, there's a lot of seats I'm referencing, but this one I just want you to notice because if you get too many similar seats at your table where everybody is struggling with the same thing and nobody wants to change, then you will justify whatever it is in your life and my life, we will justify it because we're surrounded by similar seats. So if every seat at this table, similar seats, if every seat at this table is going to say, it's no big deal that I'm angry, no big deal that I slam doors, no big deal that I yell and scream, call people names, it's no big deal that I break, that I, whatever it is, no big deal. Because, Micah, you don't understand, you don't understand, my dad did it, my grandpa did it, my great-grandpa done it, my Uncle Johnny done it, it just runs in our family. I want you to think about it through the, the birds of a feather concept. Pastor Micah, everybody's smoking it, everyone's cheating, everyone's lying, everyone, it's a similar seat. I want to help you today, it's a similar seat, that if the only people at your table are telling you that, hey, everybody has all of these things going on. You don't have to change. You don't have to get better. You don't have to repent. You don't have to improve. You, you have to be careful when you lock eyes with all of the people at your table that they're not all in similar situations saying, everybody's getting a divorce. Nobody's marriage is working. Everybody, and you're looking around and they're giving you the thumbs up that it's all right and okay. I just want to tell you today, you've got to be careful about similar seats. Similar seats. Now, in our final few minutes today, not only do we have the unstable table, I just want to talk to you in our closing few minutes about what I would call the stable table. The stable table. Now, I know, I know that there are reasons why, hear my heart today, I have 30 or 35 minutes, so I'm trying to take hours or even days and put it into a half an hour for you, and I wasted three minutes talking about pie, but anyway, say, Pastor Mike, I'm on marriage five, I'm on marriage seven, I, I, I'm not saying anything, I'm saying judgmental to you, I'm just telling you, you've got to be careful about the influences at your table. You have to be careful about the people that you allow to have these loud voices in your life. So when we talk here in closing about a stable table, what does a stable table with stable seats look like? When I show you that chair and I say, do you want to come up and you want to sit on that chair? Or, or if, I, if I show you this chair that we would sit on every single day in meetings in my office, I have chairs around the room and this is one of the seats and we'll have meeting after meeting on Mondays is our planning and preparation and prayer day and you look at this seat, I would much rather sit in this seat than in that seat. What does stable seats look like in your life? If you have a stable seat in your life, what does that look like? I want to give you just a couple of examples of what I think a stable seat is. Number one, I would want at your table and my table, I would want what I would call a caring chair. A caring chair. So I am good with the table of truth. I think we should all have the table of truth. I think we all should have 
conversations that says, you know, Pastor Kevin will often say, how's your marriage? How's your mind? Micah, how's your family doing? How are you doing with balance? Are you eating good? You going to the, he asked me all these questions all the time. I think we all need the table of truth kind of moments. But what's really important according to Scripture is not just truth. The Bible says speaking the truth in, in love. That if you know someone loves you, if you know someone loves you, then when they tell you, when they talk to you, you're like, I know they love me. I know Pastor Kevin loves me. I have people at my, t- I know they love me. And so when they say something in truth, I know that it's birthed out of love. It's the care chair. It's the care chair. I've heard it said, never look down on anybody unless you're helping them up. Thank God for all of the people that sit in the care chair over our lives and they help us up. The second chair that I want to show you that I believe sits at a stable table is what I would call the correction chair. The correction chair. I've heard it said that a true friend will stab you in the front. In other words, people will say all the time, I can't believe they stabbed me in the back. That that person on my job, I never thought they'd stab me in the back. That person on my team, I never thought they'd stab me in the back. Of all people, I never dreamed that individual, they'd stab me in the back. And although the stabbing in the back gets all all of the attention, I want to thank God today. I want to thank God today for the good people the good friends who were able at times in my life, and I'm sure maybe you could think of some of them, but they had a courageous conversation. They had a tough conversation with you and they stabbed you in the front. They looked you right in the eye and they said, I, th- I, th- I think God could do something great in your life. I think you could be better. I think you could be more committed. I think you could be planted. I think you could be plugged in. I think there's better in you. Thank God for the times that people have sat in the correction chair. As we get ready to pray, Proverbs 18.24 says, one who has, we're talking about friendship today, says unreliable friends. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin unreliable friends. Everyone say unreliable friends. This is what I would call this third chair, the committed chair. The committed chair. That person that if the whole world walked out, Crystal, they stayed seated. The committed chair. Alyssa, the committed chair. Tammy, the committed chair. Nathaniel, the committed chair. Thank God for the committed chair. Helen Keller said this, I would rather walk with a friend in the dark than alone in the light. Thank God for true, real friends. They say that true friendship is a natural helper and at times a healer. These final two chairs that I want you to notice at the stable table. The stable table. 
final two chairs, this fourth chair. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, encourage one another. Encourage one another. And build each other up. Encourage one another and build each other up. This is what I would call the comeback chair. The comeback chair. I would never want a table that doesn't have the stable seat of the comeback chair. These are friends who don't leave you low. These are friends that have courage when you don't. They say a real friend will help you believe in yourself. I've heard it said that a best friend is someone who brings out the best in you. You can always tell a real friend when you've made a fool of yourself, he doesn't feel you've done a permanent job. Thank God for these kind of friends. It's the comeback chair. Comeback chair. When I look at my own life, I could think of so many people that have sat in the comeback chair for me. You know, I was getting ready to pray, but I was raised very regulated, very rigid, very strict. You know, I've shared with you before, and I'm not comparing. I'm just giving you my story. There's no story like your own story, but I was just raised very strict. We never had a TV, never went to the movies. You know, pretty much everything growing up was a sin for me. No bowling alleys, didn't do a lot of sports stuff, uh, even dress codes, just a lot of things. And so I was always scared growing up. I was always scared. I loved the presence of God, the Spirit of God, but I was always had an element that God was mad at me. You know, the whole, uh, you know, is he like taking my name out of the book in heaven? And just growing up, if, 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 if you're always hearing about everything you're doing wrong, it's very easy to start thinking like, you know what, I'll never please him. And so when I was 25 years old, a lot of people don't know this part of my story, but when I was 25 years old, I left the organization I was in. I was newly married. I left the organization I was in. I kept my license. So I was licensed in that organization. I kept my license. I wanted to just take some time and see if I wanted to stay doing what I was doing. It accelerated for me because they messaged and said they were going to take my license, so they made my decision for me felt like Angel and I was doing some things that didn't line up with, with their expectations. And so made that decision. I, I got a job in what I thought could be potentially almost like a dream job. I needed some kind of work. So I took a job with a company doing not what I wanted to do, but I was surrounded by gyms, gymnastics, uh, bowling, laser tag, arcades. They were building a very expensive golf course you know, the NHL hockey teams, hockey players, people was going to play there, waterfalls, beautiful. Played there several times, and they're building all these things. And so I was thinking, you know what? This is what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to go and I'm going to work at this sports facility. While I was there for a year and a half, I began to get favor and some open doors, and they took me to several different events and was was starting to think like, wow, this this I, I like sports. So this can be what I, I can do. During that season of my life, during that season of my life, I always think of two people in particular that I think are big reasons why I'm even standing here right now. One would be, one would be Pastor Beasley. 
Pastor Beasley was my pastor when I went to Bible college and all the way up through evangelizing and up until a few years ago he retired, but for years was my pastor, now my pastor is Kevin Gerald, but Pastor Beasley for years still has a voice in my life. But during that season, maybe he doesn't even realize how important this chair was called the comeback chair. I'm playing softball. My wife would tell you four or five, six times a week. She probably didn't enjoy it that much, but went to nationals a couple years. I'm playing softball, shooting pool at night, working at this company, thinking this is great. This is what I'm going to do. Pastor Beasley would contact me often and he'd say things like, how's Angel? How are you? So you think anything about ministry and what if you speak for my friend in St. John? Then he started telling me, what if you speak at a church in Florence holds 500 people, churches, whatever it was, 50 years old, 75 years old, like 50 or 60 people. They were meeting in a rental room at that point, buying a schoolhouse. And I'm like, Pastor Beasley, I don't want to do any of that. And then a week or two later, here Pastor Beasley again. What if we go to Wendy's? What if we go to Tim Hortons? Like my memories of that, he's in his 70s now. I love Pastor Beasley. My memories, he used to get a coffee and he'd fill like half full of like hot water and just a little tiny bit of coffee and some cream. I was like, that's gotta be gross. However he made that, I'm like, man. We would sit down. We would do Tim Hortons or we would do Wendy's or every now and then he would wanna like go all out and he'd take me to Diplomat, a Chinese buffet. How you doing, Micah? How's Angel? You ever think about ministry? No, Pastor Beasley. But the reality is, I would not be here today. In that season where I was trying, I wanted to get out. I was trying. In that season, we had two guys. One, one's guy... One guy's name was Renee, a, a French gentleman, his friend, Dave Hogue. They rented the basement of, of this house Angel and I was in. Started playing softball with those guys and found out Dave Hogue, his dad was a pastor. He's a Baptist pastor. Now, when I was raised, it was like our religion was right. Now, all the other religions was wrong. That's just how I was raised. Like ours was the best one. So honestly, I didn't have a lot of interaction with Dave's, you know, Baptist denomination and group in, in our area. I didn't even know him up until then. We would watch some games together, and I could not even tell you, Paul, the amount of conversations where Dave would almost start sounding like Pastor Beasley. Mike, are you sure? Mike, are you? I remember, I remember one night sitting with Dave, and we still talk even now, but... But I remember Dave talking to me about ministry and life and rebounding from hurt and, you know, just that leaving an organization took more of a toll than I think if you've never done it. It's actually a lot harder than what some people realize. Now, turning 48 in a couple months, I look back and I'm thinking how grateful I am for a pastor's kid named Dave Hogue how grateful I am for a guy who's drinking a watered-down coffee that sat in the comeback chair. Comeback chair. You can do it. You can make it. 
You can get through the transition. And then I start thinking in my own life that I hope I sit in this chair. I hope, you know, I'm probably not going to drink that coffee. I'm extra large, too cream, too sugar. I'm telling you a lot about my eating habits today, but. I hope I sit in this chair for people. I hope when people are like, I'm going to quit. Maybe you're not going to work in a sports facility or whatever you're doing. I hope I sit in this chair and I hope I'm the kind of person that's like, no, I think you can make a comeback. I don't think it's over. I'm so grateful for this chair. I'm so grateful for all of the people that have sat in this chair. My final chair as we get ready to pray is called exactly that. It's called the prayer chair. Prayer chair. Job 42.10, I know it's talking about his life, but I just want to take the principle of the passage. It says, after Job had prayed for his friends. Talking about friends today. After Job had prayed for his friends. This final chair, just what I would call the prayer chair. Prayer chair. I think of a lot of things in my life. I think, think of when my, you know, when my dad had his massive heart attack. I found out 30 minutes before church, I didn't even know it was as bad as what it was. They say afterward they're lifting his feet up and they gave only even 30 minutes to live. They didn't tell me that on the phone. It was 30 minutes before church on the other side. And I still preach that Sunday. We had 9, 10, 30, 12, but I still preach those three services because I thought, you know, I'll find out how he is after church. And I didn't realize how serious it was. But I preached on don't give up on your sticks was, was my message that day. I, I remember Pastor Ethan, I'm like, hey, you know, will you drive with me to Canada? It's like 20 hours. It's not like it's like up the, up the road, Ashland or something. It's like 20 hours. He was like, yeah, let's go. We get in the car we get there and there's, they're like, there's nothing we can do. Several surgeons, whatever, there's nothing we can do. Now I remember walking down the hallway like, what? Like nothing you can do. And I go around the corner and I thought I was by myself. I just get on my knees in that hallway of the hospital. I'm like, God. I was feeling a little bit guilty that I preached the three services, everything. And then all of a sudden, and I've told them this since, but all of a sudden I just felt, felt a hand on my shoulder. He's like, look up like that. There's Pastor Ethan just praying. I, I know it wasn't this chair. I know it wasn't this chair in the hospital in St. John, New Brunswick, but, but symbolically it was. Thankful for the prayer chair. I remember times, I remember times when I wrote probably eight or 10 resignation letters here. I'm just giving you an example, but I remember times we were 100, 200 people and for a variety of reasons, a lot of them me, a lot of them me. I was just like, I'm done, I'm not doing this. And Julie Hinklin, Julie Hinklin, who cleans here, she has for years. I probably, I've kept a lot of them. I probably have 20 or 30 post-it notes or cards from Julie who when she's here cleaning would just leave a little post-it note on my door. Hey, well, I was vacuuming today. I prayed for you. I would go up and there'd be the note. There'd be the card under my door. And I'm like, Julie. Patsy Hershner, Regina Powers. I remember when I went through my carcinoid tumor and I was in the hospital 16 days. I have 37 stitches, you know, here where, where for the surgeries and stuff. And 
I remember morphine every six months, but I would just like come to every now and then. I remember my mom and Angel, my wife. I remember them praying in their prayer language. I don't remember a lot of all of that season, but I do remember them praying in their prayer language. I would like just come to and they would just be praying. I would hear people talk vaguely every now and then like, oh, he looks so bad and his color's so bad. And, you know, this weight he's lost. And I remember the first time I heard the C word. I had not heard it before. I heard someone say, you know, Pastor Beasley, they had called him. They said, I remember this. They said he was driving to Bangor, Maine. They told him what it was. They had found carcinoid tumor. And they said, Pastor Beasley pulled to the side of the interstate and parked his car and just wept and prayed for me. This is the prayer chair. This is the prayer chair. I start thinking about all of the people who have prayed for me. And if we had time, I would love for you to think about all the people that's prayed for you. Maybe you would think right now, like, Pastor Micah, my wife prayed for me. Pastor Micah, my husband prayed for me. My parent, Pastor Micah, if you knew my grandma, my grandma would pray for me. My grandma wouldn't give up on me. Pastor Micah, I had this coworker, this friend, they wouldn't get off my case. Pastor Micah, if you knew my mom, my mom prayed so much for me, it started getting under my skin. She wouldn't leave me alone, Pastor Micah. Maybe you could think of someone even today that you should say thank you right now. If they're still alive, you should send a text or an email or call them. Right now in his presence, you should say thank you. If you have had people that sat in the comeback chair or the prayer chair of your life, these are the people that wouldn't give up on you when you gave up on yourself. You were trying to run from God. You were trying to get away. But I just want you to know those people were in the chair while you were running, while you were quitting. They were in the chair saying, you can't have my marriage. You can't have my child. You can't have them. It's the prayer chair. Maybe today you're sitting in the chair. You're praying for someone right now. You're saying, God, save my dad. Save my mom. Save my family. Save. Maybe you're in the prayer chair today. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. The Bible also tells us if, if you knock... Keep on knocking. I want to encourage someone today, if you're in the prayer chair and you came today or you logged on and you were ready to quit praying, I'm just going to ask you to stick with it. Will you stay at the table with me? Will you just pray another day, another week, another month? I'm asking you today, will you, will you stay in the seat? Maybe you're like, you know what? I have prayed for them for so long. If you knew my child, Pastor, my God, prayed and prayed, and I, I'm just asking you to sit back down. I'm asking you to sit back down today. Stay in the prayer chair. Are there some unstable seats in life? Yeah. Are there some unhealthy seats in life? Yes. Do we need to be careful? Yes. But I don't want to leave here today and I don't want you to log off without us thanking God for all of the stable seats in life. That the reason we're here right now is because of these kinds of chairs. Can you think of some of those chairs right now? Can you think of a name that is sat in this chair, a caring chair, a committed chair, a prayer chair? Can you think of some people? As we get ready to pray, I think the greatest chair that is, is at my table and hopefully at your table, the greatest chair 
is a chair that I think Revelation talks about. Revelation. Revelation said that Jesus is talking. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open the door, I would come in and, the, you know, the King James Version, some of those translations, I going to use the word sup, S-U-P, sup. Some other translations are going to say dine or eat. But that chair in Revelation, Jesus just said, if you'll let me into your heart, if you'll let me into your life, I will come in and I'll, I'll sit at your table. It's the greatest seat we could ever have. I'm thankful for caring, committed, prayer chairs come. I'm thankful for all of that. But there's no chair, there's no friend. There is no friend like Jesus. He'll never leave you. You want to talk about staying seated? He'll never forsake you. They wrote a song about it. What a friend. What a friend. Crystal Harris, what a friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. What a friend. Maybe today you would say, Pastor Micah, I've never really invited Jesus into my heart. I've never really repented. I've, I've, I've never turned my life over to him. Maybe people have sat in the prayer chair and they've been praying for this moment right now. They've been praying for months or even years for you to have this moment right now, the moment where you're going to say, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want Jesus to sit in a seat. I want him to be at my table. I want him to be the head, the head of the table, the Lord of my life. If you want to give your life to Jesus right now, you can do it. Say things like, I repent, which means I'm going to turn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're all born in sin. This is your opportunity right now to be forgiven of your sin, to follow Jesus. Maybe for other people, Jesus has an occasional seat at your table, but he's not the head of the table. And you today need to get him back to the head of the table. There should be no one giving you more advice than God. No one giving you more direction than God. Maybe you need to put him back at the head of the table. For others today, if you have too many unstable seats at your table, I hope, you're, I hope you've been convicted. I hope you're like, you know what? I've got to be really careful at getting advice from similar seats. Or Maybe others, as I pray, you've thought of some people who sat in the comeback chair or the prayer chair and you want to send them that text today. But I hope that God's word has spoke to you like it spoke to me. When he started dealing with me earlier this week, I was writing, 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 and I couldn't wait to share it with you. And I hope I've shared it with you as clearly as what I believe that the Holy Spirit stirred me. I hope that God's word, not just another week, another Sunday, I hope God's word has made an impact on your life today. I would love to pray with you love to pray with you. Can we close our eyes? God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit today. Thank you for your presence today. I love you. I love you, Jesus. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs to bear. Be that friend to someone today. 
That single parent, be their friend today. That marriage, barely hanging on, be their friend today. That person who feels like their world has fallen apart, be their friend today. That person who looks back and says, I can't believe I messed up or the mistake, or God, be their friend today. Greater love has no one than this, that a man would lay down his life, which you did, Jesus, on a cross, would lay down his life for his friends. God, I thank you for saving someone today. I thank you for convicting someone changing, challenging. I thank you in this holy moment for reminding someone of the prayer chairs, committed chairs, and the comeback chairs. I hope today that they do send a text, that they call. I hope they tell someone, thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a friend. And I hope in this holy moment that someone is reminded that the greatest friend, Jesus, the greatest friend, will never leave them or forsake them, even right now, regardless of what they're going through. Jesus will not leave them. That we sing it in a song, but it's true. Not for a minute. Not for a minute. In the valley, in the low points, in the tough times, not for a minute was I forsaken. Not for a minute, God, did you ever get up from the table and say, I'm done, I'm finished. And I just want to thank you today for being an ever-present help. I want to thank you for being omnipresent. I want to thank you for being all-knowing today. I want to thank you that past, present, future, that the love of God stayed reaching, stayed helping, stayed encouraging, not for a minute. And I celebrate that today in the name of in the name of Jesus, I pray these prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen. Story side, are you thankful for Jesus today? Are you thankful for Jesus? Can we stand all over the room today? Will you sing it out to him? Not for a minute. Sing it out. Tell him I'm thankful today, God. I thank you today, God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. Thank you for your faithfulness, God. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. Come, Holy Spirit. Today, not for a minute, not for a minute, not for a minute. The Lord is in this place, the Lord is in this place. Become Holy Spirit, travels away. The Lord is in this place. Can we sing it one more time? Would you raise your hands if you can? Not for a minute. Not for a minute. Not for a minute. The Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place.